Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this. Before we start, just to remind you that we do this podcast two, three times a week. But we don't always know which days it's going to be on, so there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough about that. Let's talk some rugby. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and I'm joined by two special guests today, Simon Thomas and Andy Howell. It's good to have you back on the podcast, gents. It's very strange to have Andy in a disembodied version, you know. Um, I'm used to him doing a small body, but disembodied altogether, that's a bit strange. Yeah, it uh, certainly is. It's, uh, I mean, we're living in uh, funny times at the moment, isn't it? So, uh, you know, when was the last time us guys saw each other, I guess, was uh, mid-March. Long old time ago. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, the special podcast we did with James Hook and Nigel Owen. Seems to be the last time we were all sort of together, um, and that's that's a long, long time ago. I will uh, point out, Ben, that Andy and I have done the sports desk proud in the meantime because both of us have won the Wales Online quiz um, that's been taking place weekly via Zoom. So we've been uh, batting for the sports desk. To, to my shame, I haven't been on a single one of those <laughs> Zoom. Uh, hangouts so uh, i i couldn't possibly have <laughs> done well in the quiz um so yeah we're recording the podcast remotely obviously given what's going on in the world and, and it it's obviously affecting welsh rugby and that's what we're going to talk about on the podcast today because it's been a busy few days in terms of news in welsh rugby um obviously we had financial stuff coming out over the weekend and then there was a statement from the welsh rugby player association on monday night Let's start with the stuff that came out over the weekend. Um, it was reported in the Times by uh, a colleague of ours, Rob Cole. It looks like well, it, funding is is going to be severely hampered by this pandemic, isn't it? If I take that first, because I think Andy's got you know probably more insight into the players' um, statement, which he's covered um, on the finances. I mean, in a way, it's not. It's kind of not rocket science, is it? Really, if you think about it. There's a lot less money coming in, going a lot less money going to be coming in. Complete uncertainty about when we were back underway and able to drive money through the game. So there's a shortfall. There's a massive shortfall. I mean, it could be anything from £20 million to £40, £50 million shortfall in Welsh rugby, depending on just how long this shutdown continues. And if you've not got money coming in to the professional game, then you can't have money going out to the professional game in terms of funding it. So what do we do? You know, <clears throat> if you think what the plan was for next season, we know that there's about £12 million comes in a year um, to the regions, which is you know £3 million each from TV and competition money. Then on top of that, they get um, the remainder of money generated for the professional game. At present, that's about £20 million split up between them. The plan for next season was for that pot of money via the professional rugby board to go up to about £26 million. That's what the regions were budgeting on. That's what they were expecting. That was everything was the basis from. Now, clearly, that £26 million ain't going to be there. Rob, in his piece, talked about the money available being right down to £3 million. So, there's a big, big shortfall. So, what do you do? Now, Andy and I wrote a piece together on this this week. Andy's had his thoughts and he kind of looked at the options and what do you think realistically we can do to deal with this massive shortfall? 
Well, it's very difficult, isn't it? They can, uh, you know, they could uh, take a loan against the stadium. That would be obvious. But then, would the WIU be in the back back in the same situation as they were around, you know, two thousand five, uh, two thousand six during the uh, Moffat era? You know, uh, they would have to service that um, debt. Um, of course, they've had uh, our money's coming in now of um, CVC for buying a minority stake in the Pro uh, Fourteen. You know, you know, uh, Welsh Rugby Union shares thirty three million, but uh, the, you know, that's going to be distributed to the regions over five years. What we don't know is if that money's been paid in one hit by CVC, or has it been staged over those years? If it's been staged, that means the WIU hasn't got access to thirty three million, as it um, as it stands. You know, thirty three million is quite a modest amount anyway. Um, the, the other options is uh, could they? They could also perhaps take out a loan on another asset or sell it even it was Rodney Parade. Well, that would be controversial. They can apply to World Rugby's uh, emergency fund, which is uh, it's an 80 million fund. But of course, that's to help all un- any unions who apply. And they would have to pay that back because that's, uh, loans are advanced um, payments. UK government, Welsh government, could they ask them for assistance? Would they get it in the current climate with both, you know, with the um, knock the economy is taken? And as it stands, the WIU are putting something into the Millennium uh, Principality Stadium because it's been turned into a hospital. And uh, obviously, that's uh, that's coming at cost for the Welsh government. And I assume it is um, giving the WIU some income. The thing is, and I mean, I suppose you've talked about a lot of the things there, and it all stacks up. There's one thing which perhaps you didn't mention, which is the main outlay for professional rugby. Where does yeah, most right. of the money spent? Wages. Yeah. So what's going to happen there? I mean, as we understand it, um, players have taken across Welsh rugby. They've taken pay cuts. So the administrators got players and players and official on furlough. Um, but I guess everyone was kind of hoping that rugby would be able to return in some shape or form in late summer, early autumn. Pro 14 are talking about being back in August. But, and when when do you realistically see rugby returning? Uh, I think it depends on what happens over the next few weeks with the uh, with the numbers of, number of cases of uh, COVID-19. What's going to be interesting as the UK comes out of uh, lockdown, we've seen you know, mass gatherings on beaches, in cities, uh, etc., is that going to have a detrimental effect? Are the, are the figures going to uh, push back up? So some form of uh, lockdown might have to be re- reimposed. Um, I think we'll know more, I'd say, in over the next two or three weeks for the situation. If it carries on as it is now, the figures and all, I mean, in Wales, South Wales, use uh, UHW hospital in Cardiff, there's loads of empty beds here at the minute. Uh, even some wards are empty because of the numbers have plummeted of people who have had um, coronavirus who have been hospitalised. Um, so I think it depends on that. If it carries on as it is, you know, rugby might be back class a bit sooner than we thought. Pro 14 could well be played in um, in uh, August. I see in England, Gala Premiership, they're making plans to resume as well. So, you know, fingers crossed it might be sooner than we were thinking. What do you think, Ben? What's your take on it? I've always been of the opinion that I, I couldn't see sport really returning in, in 
the form that we know it without a vaccine, especially rugby. I mean, there's been so many sort of different pieces that we've seen over the last few weeks. People like Barry O'Driscoll and, and other sort of medical experts coming forward and saying this rule would need to change and that rule would need to change to the point where the, the sport that we were looking at coming back wasn't rugby. You know, there's no scrums, uh, rucks and malls would have to be significantly reduced, which is... You know that's a hard thing to regulate. I mean, they're, they're talking about. I think some of the rules coming back are, you know, three seconds at rucks, but you know the current rule is five seconds, and and that's that's frequently ignored. So three seconds to me doesn't really seem like it's going to make much difference. But um, yeah, I've always found it hard to sort of see where sport would come back. But I, I suppose we're, we're we're two weeks away from it being back in New Zealand, aren't we? So. Uh, and, and we've seen football come back in in different countries, so I guess we are probably further along than than maybe you know people like me would think. And yeah, if if the Pro 14 says it can come back in August, that that looks like 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 it's going to come back in August. Um, but yeah, that, that's still a few months away. And I mean, the players' pay cuts only go to the the start of next month, so the likelihood is they're going to have to take another twenty five percent extended which is which is where this Welsh uh, Rugby Players Association statement has come from hasn't it yeah I mean if you look at New Zealand yeah it's a ray of hope isn't it the fact that rugby's resuming there but you've got to say it's a very different situation massively so isn't it they got you know essentially they got um, um, a, a hold and a grip on COVID-19 Jacinda Ardern their Prime Minister's played the blind I think everyone agrees um, early lockdown clamped down on it it is a lot easier because of the geography, very remote. And we're an island as well, though, aren't we? So, you know, if you compare the results, we're getting political. Obviously, we're a long way behind in terms of what they've achieved. Um, I think even when rugby does return, it'd be great if it's back in August. You do have the, going back to the financial point, you do have the issue that it's inevitably going to be behind closed doors. So you're not going to have that income stream uh, from attendances coming in. Um, so even though you'll be able to fulfil some of the TV deals, maybe unlock some TV money, you're still talking a great shortfall. Which brings us back to, how are we going to play the players? And brings us back to their concerns. Yeah, the other issue as well is uh, players are going to have to be regularly tested, as it stands, for COVID-19, same as in football. Who, who's going to pay for all those tests? <coughs> you know, uh, say, say they're paying £100 per person a test, this cost them four grand a week, week, you know, sixteen grand a month. Could the regions themselves afford to pay for the testing, or does it come from some, you know, or does the funding for that come from somewhere else, pay central funds, or, or you know, they got to weigh all this up. Is it economically worth them coming back for some matches in uh, August, when realistically the only Welsh team in a chance of qualifying for the uh, Pro Fourteen playoffs is the Scarlets. Well, the other thing, you know, if you haven't got a chance of qualifying, do you bring your players back from furlough? <laughs> it's a serious point. You know, it, 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 I suppose in terms of the testing, and it depends whether it's economically worthwhile, doesn't it? If testing allows you to play, which allows you to unlock TV revenue, then you could see a case for it. In England, interestingly, BT have 
paid the the you know the outstanding amount for this season to the English clubs. You know, as a kind of you know real sign of support, and the English clubs are looking to re- reward and respond to that by getting back on the field <clears throat> to give BT something to show. Now we're not clear whether Premier Sport have done the same for the Pro 14. Have they paid for the full season? Is there still money to be unlocked? But I think what we can say is, if you look at the amateur game, you know that doesn't unlock money in the same way. Obviously, it doesn't. There's not the TV coverage, so. Who's going to be able to fund and pay for every amateur player to be tested? And if they can't be tested, let's be honest about it. The public health authorities, probably the last thing they want is to have 30 untested blokes jumping up and down on top of each other on a Saturday, then going on to public transport and to work on a Monday and, and potentially spreading the virus. So, you know, rugby returning at um, an amateur level without a vaccine, without somehow the virus... Um, disappearing effectively, you know, the magic, magic button somehow. Unless that happens, it's hard to see it returning at community club level. Yeah, I, I think we're a long, long way away from that. I mean, I mean tennis is yet to return in Wales, um, controversially so. I think that's the sort of next step, isn't it? Sort of outdoor courts. But even, even with outdoor courts, something like five-a-side football, you, you'd see as hard to bring back. So I think having community rugby, you know, as you say, 30 men, in very close proximity, that that just seems rugby's unique, Ben. Isn't a, it? a long in way terms away. Of the it close is physical contact, you know, massively so. Um, so a question there, I'd ask you guys. Yep. If then, if there's no vaccine and community yep. rugby doesn't return in the next year, two years, or whatever, is it the end of rugby? Well, it's very difficult. I mean, if you were to look at it, I mean, you would probably say that the current professional staff and the academies, the, the group that's there already, which would have testing, you could probably sustain professional rugby for a couple of years, two, three years. But obviously, if you don't have that production line, you're going to lose a kind of mini generation of players who would be coming through. So it's a really serious issue. Now, I mean, obviously, I mean, we're, we're, you can get dragged into a bit of a doomsday scenario and a doomsday mentality. And if you look at other countries around the world um, where there has been easing of lockdown and more return to normality, there hasn't been the spike that some people feared. And gradually, in a lot of countries, the virus is dissipating. You're seeing in Spain recently no new deaths in a couple of days, in Ireland as well. So around you know the, the rugby world, there are countries where the virus is, is got under, getting under control and less prevalent. Now, in we don't know it's going to be, maybe in three or four months, six months, the virus will have, you know, have faded away, God willing. You, you, you can only pray that that be the case. And if that happens, you know, and the, the R transmission rate is right down, then there's a different scenario, isn't there? But at present, Bill Bowman was on the, um, the TV on the weekend. He said he found it hard to say with absolute certainty that rugby as we know it could return without a vaccine in most countries and I think that's where we stand at the moment Absolutely um, let's let's move back on to the, the finances quickly because we, we mentioned that it's looking like it could go from 26 million to 3 million and, and the most startling figure I suppose there is the number of you know 500,000 which has been banded around a lot. Um, that 500,000, Ben, or would be on top of the 3 million, I believe. But it, it's still a start, it's a, start, it's a startling figure, which I know caught a lot of people 
probably off guard on the weekend on, on social media. And I, I think it probably requires a bit of explanation because it, on, on the face of it, it was a startling figure. Yeah, Simon's a man for that. He's the expert on the figures. I mean, we, we really don't know, do we? We really don't know what money is going to be available. And I think a lot of this hinges as well on things that Andy touched on. If you look at the CVC money, the trouble is we haven't had a lot of clarity, really, from the union about what's happening with the financial situation. And we kind of had to look at what Philip Brown in the IRFUs talked about. He gave a statement, a big press conference, where he detailed the whole financial situation. And all we've really been able to do is look at that and say, well, in theory, you'd think we'd be, we'd be able to replicate it. Because a lot of our finances in terms of the base money coming in, the deals, the television deals, the Pro 14 deals, the CVC deals, Ireland and us kind of replicated. Now, Philip Brown talked there about £5 million coming into the IRFU as an initial tranche from the CVC money. So we're working on the basis of probably of the same... Uh, Wales. So you can look at all these, but the trouble is, at the moment, five five million pounds disappears into a big black hole very quickly, doesn't it? You know, realistically, are you going to take the whole thirty three? Ask for the whole thirty three million in one tranche to try and see us through this year. I don't know. It's very difficult to me. I think you get to a certain point, Ben Andy, where if rugby is still off, to sustain the game in Wales, we have to start looking at the possibility of using our primary asset and making income based on the, on the Millennium Principality Stadium, city centre, prime asset. I think that that has to be, in the short term, the best survival package you have and trying to have some form of mortgage on that. I know they probably don't want to do that because you never want to saddle yourself with debt, do you? But I, I go back to what Martin Phillips said to me two months ago, three months ago, he quoted Brian Hanrahan, the famous ITN reporter, when the Falklands War was reporting on the Falklands War, talked about the boats, the ships, and said, we counted them out and we counted them in. And that's the principle the Welsh Rugby Union is working on. They want to emerge from this crisis with the same, ideally, with the same number of professional teams, semi-pro teams, and amateur teams. Now, I ask you, Andy, do you think that is a realistic goal? Uh it's a big goal, isn't it? Because the longer the crisis goes on, the more difficult it is for that to uh, happen. Uh, I think if you're talking about a mortgage on a stadium, well, you'd have to say, you know, that's going to damage uh, the WIU in the longer term. So then uh, that means if you if you do end up having four regions when this is over, they're going to have less money off WIU anyway. Is this an opportunity uh, to redress um, Welsh rugby and look at a model which is financially uh, sustainable. We've seen in the Southern Hemisphere, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, they all debated their futures. Uh, you know, there's talk of the super rugby teams from South Africa joining the Pro 14, New Zealand, Australia, uh, going in alone. In England, they're talking again about ring fence in the Gala Premiership. Is this an I, you know, and this, and this is the global season. You know, people have had time to reflect. Interesting. It, it strikes me as well. I mean, we're already seeing a kind of recalibration, aren't we? If you look just this week, Gloucester have announced um, David Humphreys is leaving as director of rugby, following on from the departure of Joanne Ackerman as head coach. And they've already now made it clear that those two roles are going to be replaced by one role, a new head coach. So you're already seeing cut cloth being cut, aren't you? 
you know, Dai Young might well be a candidate for that job. Of course, we even might possibly have the dream team of him and Rob Howley going in there in some shape or form. But the point I'm making is that that, to me, is the first indicator that this is what's going to have to happen. You're going to have to look at your outlay. And, you know, it's very difficult for Gloucester probably, so when I'm going to rugby going on to have that amount of money going on on two chief administrators. Now, is, is that going to happen at teams in, in Wales? Are we going to have to see, looking at it realistically, who the, the biggest earners, are you going to have to say, well, this is this is what we need to survive and we're going to have to make some brutal decisions and we're going to have to cut. And this is why, I come back to it, you can understand why the players are concerned. What did you make of that statement, Andy, from, from the Players Association? I was astonished by it, uh, actually, because they were, uh, uh, you know, they were uh, say, you know, claiming a mismanagement of the game in the past. Who were they aiming at? Uh, you know, if, that, if they were aiming uh, some of that fire at Benny Factors, you know, sustained a game in uh, Wales, I think they were a bit out of order because without those blokes, there wouldn't be much of a professional game uh, uh, here. Um, you know, there is things happening behind the scenes with the players, Welsh Rugby Union. Um, so, and what was interesting to me is the players, they called for, they wanted it to be sorted out now. So there is a sustainable future for uh, for Welsh, um, for Welsh Rugby. You know, they, they said it's... Um, so you would, you know, I would think would say they'd almost agree in there to the redrawing of the regional map in Wales. You know, they say they pointed out the crowds going down, long-term financial uh, stability, and saying COVID nineteen has accelerated the crisis. And they said in moments of crisis, change is often needed. Players are determined to be part of a um, positive change in the game. Um, so, what's the answer? Uh, if you were setting up regions now, you would only have three teams, uh, perhaps two full-on regions, one development region. Though you could argue Wales has got loads of good players, and uh, you know that development team would actually be pretty good if the players were spread around um, uh, equally. Um, and then, of course, it'd be perhaps more competitive on a European stage. All of, you know, the two teams, which I guess would be like an East Wales team, West Wales team. The squads they'd have, they should be able to compete with anyone. Now, would that attract more people to watch them? I mean, just on a um, point of record, first of all, um, I asked the Welsh Rugby Union for a response to that statement from the Players Association. They, as is their right, declined to give one. Um, the regions at the moment are very tight-lipped on all matters. They're, you know, we, we obviously are, are looking for stories and various things and to try and get statements and stories, but there really is um, a bit of a veil of silence at the moment. It's hard to get any comment from anyone, really, at the regional side or the professional game or the union. So we're all a little bit in the dark. We're all kind of stumbling around trying to make sense of it ourselves. Um, in terms of the statement from the players, there's clearly concern there, isn't there? Um now, who they are referring to when they talk about um, the running of the regions in the past? Are they talking about the benefactors? Are they talking about paid officials? Are they talking about coaching? Are they, what are, it's unclear, really, isn't it? They, they, I mean, I think generally, you know, a lot of people in Wales probably turn around and say, you know, the professional game in Wales hasn't been uh, hasn't operated as, as some would like to see it. But then again. They have been working within, within extreme financial constraints as well, so it's a difficult one. And now those constraints are going to get even more. Um, you wonder who the people can turn to. Are we going to turn back to the benefactors and ask them to tip their hands in their pockets again to keep this thing going? 
I suppose the, the the biggest sort of thing from the statement, I mean, the players have, have largely been a sort of unheard party, haven't they? And I th- you can sense the frustration coming through in the, in the early part of that statement. But then later on, they sort of talk about how they're willing to, to make sacrifices, but it, it's fruitless for them to make sacrifices if the game is going to return to the issues that existed before this pandemic. That's That's the striking part for me. Yeah, it's a balancing act for them, isn't it? They have to get their concerns across, but they have to bear in the back of mind that a lot of people are suffering, a lot of people have lost jobs, a lot of people are having to so cut, you know, cut their cloth. So I think they've tried to balance in that way. And I think it's probably right that they did make a statement. People can agree or disagree with it, but clearly they are concerned. And from what Andy's talked about there, you know, he, he said that realistically we might only be able to afford three professional teams moving forward. Well, then you can understand why the professional players in Wales would be concerned. The bottom line, I'm afraid, is that no one knows what the future holds. I speak privately to a lot of people within the game in Wales, and their the, the version, what they tell me, is like every single option is being considered. But also, one, one gentleman said to me today, there's a lot of nervousness out there. And that's understandable, isn't there? Because no one knows what, what the future holds. And we're clinging on a little bit at the moment. Yeah, let's be honest. All of us three, our livelihood kind of depends on the game of rugby. People who cover the game of rugby, and we, I've been on furlough. Andy's, you know, been on on furlough. Um, the, this is the reality of life, isn't it? We're all, we're all in, as a society trying to, to come through this really difficult time. I'm in the shielding group. You know, nobody ever thought we'd be in this situation, did we? And the players. Are trying to find their way through it as much as anyone, but the bottom line is we really don't know what the future holds, and it's a precarious time. Indeed, and it's funny, sort of looking back at to how suddenly we were thrown into the situation. You know, we we went we're twenty four hours away from playing Scotland in the in the Prince Valley Stadium, and then how how quickly things turned around to, to where we are now. The rapidity of that week is incredible, Andy, isn't it? When you think about Cheltenham, remember when we were watching those scenes? And that was the same week as we are having the discussion about um, the, the Wales game going on. It just, things moved so swiftly. And within a week, you know, pubs were closed. And essentially, we've been in lockdown ever since. Don't forget as well, Wales played England at Twickenham a week before the Scotland game was due to take place. Well, I did an interview with Nigel Davis, if you may recall, where he went down with the coronavirus. He, um, Rupert Moon, who he was out with on the eve of that game, did as well. He, he said to me he thought he probably contracted it. You know, people now are talking about maybe having had it way before that and not being realising. And, you know, it, it's it's a vicious, vicious thing. We've all got heard our own stories and we, we work in the news industry where we have to report some very, very sad stories. So we do have to put this in a proper context, and don't we? You know, rugby, worrying about the future of rugby is all kind of relative when you consider, you know, 30,000, 40,000-odd people have died. So that, let's get that clear. But you do also, if you work within the industry professionally, as the regions and the Welsh Rugby Union do, they have to try and find a future plan. And uh, it's not easy. No, I, it, probably quite a, um, I don't know if negative is the right word, a, a sort of doomsayer podcast this has been, hasn't it, in terms simply because 
I mean, we, we, we don't know the future, which is... No, no. I mean, it's great to see rugby back in New Zealand. Massively that. so. That's a big positive. That's a big, big positive. Yeah, it you is. Know, it... I know Simon touched on this earlier, but it is far easier for New Zealand to do it yes. than it yes. would be here because, well, you know, the location, yeah. geography, they've only got three international airports, really. I mean, mostly international traffic goes through Auckland, so that's easy to regulate. They can also feed themselves. You know, we, we are reliant on other countries to feed us. In Britain, we got such a huge population, and we are thirty-five, you know, thirty-five minutes away from continental Europe. Where New Zealand flight to Australia, nearest port of call, I believe, is uh, about three hours. So it's much you know easier think, for them to lock do you know, down. Do you know what, Andy? I think would be a big kind of I don't know tipping point, but it, it, we are, it will be a big marker for this. Is how the return of uh, Premier League football and Championship football goes, because clearly yeah. those players are going to be tested on a weekly basis, Ben, something like that. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent certain. I, I know that the Championship is, um, I don't know, it potentially in doubt because I believe a, a Preston player tested positive yesterday. Well, this is what I was going to say. You know, come that first week, say Premier League football, um, I think it's. M- June the 17th that kind of week what happens when you have that that we're all waiting to see what happens and if there is a transmission case and a player test positive what happens does the whole league go into shutdown do just the two teams that play in that game go into shutdown I think that will be the practical example of how you can return in professional sport and the difficulties that that, that, you know follow and that's a sport yes with physical contact but less full physical contact and rugby. I mean, you couldn't get much more up close than personal than a scrum, could you? No, exactly, it's, you're, yeah. right, you know, that, you're right. Football's going to be the acid test. Say, say, say four players test positive and they from four different clubs. Could you really see football continuing? Well, they may have to utilise squads very heavily. But the, are they going to maybe have players training... I mean, how, how closely are you going to train? You can train in football. You can do a lot of your work, your sprint work, and your, 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 your passing skills, your shooting skills, without being within two meters. It's very difficult to do any meaningful practice to prepare for rugby and without banging into someone up and close, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is, isn't it? Let's face facts, rugby is the ultimate physical contact game, isn't it? It's all about physical contact. So it's very difficult to see how they can safely. Uh, bring it back in uh, the, certainly in the northern hemisphere and parts of the southern hemisphere. Yeah, New Zealand, as I said, is a bit of a different case, different uh, uh, situation there where they've man- been able to manage the crisis. They, uh, you know, they uh, an isolated island, if you like, uh, and so I don't see any problems in rugby in taking place in New Zealand. It'll be interesting not to see what happens in uh, Australia, whether they can. Uh, uh, follow the same uh, road, uh, but for European rugby, it's much more difficult, isn't it? I think they aren't they returning to training in South Africa in the next couple of weeks, I believe. And and I know that the French league has has called itself has been called off the rest of the season. So it, there's varying ways, Ben, aren't there? Of different countries doing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw headlines this morning that potentially they they could they could have crowds in New Zealand. Um, I think with, with distancing, with social distancing. I believe when it gets to level one, I don't know what level they're on now. I think are they level two or level three now to have rugby return. But when it gets to level one in terms of their lockdown restrictions, you could have crowds with no restrictions. So I think that the, the set limit is 100 in a crowd. 
if it gets to level one, which I believe they're on their way to, there, there would be no restrictions for crowds. So not only could you have rugby back in New Zealand, but potentially you could have full stadiums like Eden Park and, and, and the like, which... I mean, it seems incredible. It seems incredible when there is. Achieved, it? it's, it's testament to what they've achieved, but it also seems incredible when ultimately there is no vaccine for this virus. Um, yes. So you, you you feel there's only so much progress that can be made. So um, it'll be interesting to, to watch yeah, that. But, uh, but New Zealand oh, is one of only a small number of countries that could do it really because of yeah. you know, those the reasons we've already discussed. Yeah, I mean Ireland would be interesting. I mean Ireland. Um, some way ahead of us and they have it the situation um it's much more controlled there uh you could you could possibly see them being back coming back and playing in august time uh the bigger thing of course i suppose when we go back to where we started with all of this which is the finances of it is um it'd be great to see rugby in august yeah but the big thing in terms of survival financially is when we can get international rugby back up and running because that's the financial engine, Andy, isn't it? It certainly is. I mean, Wayne Pivot has already talked about Wales playing seven or eight matches in ten weeks, perhaps behind closed doors once they get the green light. So yeah, you know, you know, that yeah. So the, the even though they won't get the hospitality income and ticket money, they will still have a lot of money for the broadcast uh, deal and other sponsorships. Uh, so it's vital. The priority has got to be start playing international matches because it pays for the club game in every yeah. country. Yeah, and I think the plan would be Ben. I think the plan would be to try and finish the existing Six Nations. Um, I think realistically, given travel restrictions, I don't think many of us are expecting in- incoming tours from the Southern Hemisphere this autumn. So you could well see some kind of home nations tournament potentially taking place, an extra tournament in the November period, maybe Wales, Scotland, England, Ireland playing in that. Um, I think they will look to, to, to get as much international rugby in yeah. place as possible. And of course, there's, there's people now talking about potentially um, the Lions being put back a year, Andy, aren't they? In terms of you know shoehorning another competition, world world rugby type competition into next year. I think everything's on the table, and I guess that has to be the case. Yeah, and we saw the statement, didn't we, a while back between Sanzar and the Six Nations, which, you know, was basically, we're we're putting aside sort of our own prerogatives and our own reasons for doing things to to work together, which I think is a necessity, isn't it, in this current climate? Yeah, Yeah, it certainly is, isn't it? But, you know, but everything is based on unknowns, isn't it? At the moment, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next. You know, yeah, almost on a, not just on a get... daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, no. and at the moment, probably on a yearly basis. The thing is, and we talked about you know trying to get the game back up and running and losing a generation of players. Let's be honest: if rugby does resume, would everybody be comfortable playing it? Would you be comfortable your kids going out and playing it? Would even professionals, even with testing, be comfortable going out playing it? These people have got to go back to their families. I mean, psychologically, resuming rugby will be difficult, I think. That's why, you know, it is so encouraging to see it in New Zealand. And I guess that is what everyone's hoping we can somehow get back to the kind of state of safety they have there. Indeed. Um, hopefully, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for, for what's been a, a slightly downbeat podcast. Um, but as always, it's, it's great to have the pair of you on, uh, even if it is quite serious and 
pressing matters. It's always good to speak to both of you. Um, hope you're keeping well in lockdown, as I do to all of our listeners. Hope you all keep him well if you have enjoyed the podcast do please give it a uh, review and a rating on itunes whatever you listen to it massively helps us and helps people find the podcast but for all the latest rugby news you can catch it all on wales online